Welcome. Rochelle here to share another inspiring episode. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. Women, we got this. And to the men listening, we are grateful for your involvement. Here's what I noticed in this episode with Tanya Cologne, our next Insta Summer guest. I felt tongue-tied. During our conversation, I sat in awe, not only of all that she has accomplished, but also the beliefs she shares. Her main message, as an individual, answer the call you have been given. It doesn't have to be big. In fact, most of us will have a call to share something right out of our own lives. For all the experiences we have in this life intertwine into something else later. Look for ways to step into your own voice. You never know the impact you might be having. Tanyette Cologne, our next guest in the Insta Summer series, is here to inspire us. Here's what I know about her through our Instagram connection. She loves to travel, wants us to understand ourselves through self-discovery, and has a program called The Seven Days of Wonderment. I sure like the title and want to know more. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you for having me. This is what I love about Instagram. It brings all these powerful women together to collaborate and to have, to have discussions like this. I Absolutely. I, I agree completely. How else would I have gotten to connect with you and some of the other women that I'm having real time, real life conversations with had I not, you know, started doing this thing? And and I, I don't remember who followed who first. You have a really strong following. You are really doing a lot of great things. We're going to go ahead and get started with kind of the, the fun, playful part of the conversation. And then I can't wait to get to the deep dive, which is your passion. What is there something you want us to know about you before we get started? Well, just that I'm a Gen X mom. I have a, a teen son who's going to be a senior actually going into oh. back to school because he's been doing homeschooling right since the pandemic hit. So next year is going to be his first full year to school in almost a year and a half, if not more at that right. time. So, Ooh. and just, I just left my corporate job. So in many ways I'm starting over again in my, in my late forties. So that's, it's a big transition time for me. That is to be applauded because, and then we're going to get to it in the deep dive. You've got this thing that you have to do and you get to do. And that is absolutely the best. Which three words would you choose to describe yourself? Fiercely loyal, definitely a wanderlust for sure. And I walk into the world as best as I can because I am human through a heart-centered perspective. Heart-centered. Okay. Oh, gosh. those And those all sounded like they were hyphenated words, which is really lovely because that means you're, you, you love words anyway. So you, you, it wasn't, you know, you, you wanted to go deeper and give a more comprehensive view of yourself. So yes, incredible. Uh, Yeah. And then I, you know, was just mentioning that I, I already find you to be very uh, gentle and calm and you've got this 
really soothing presence in the posts that you post. And then I'm I'm guessing this wonderful fiery side as well, which I hope we get into it during our conversation. All right, two truths and a lie. This is three things you state. And then I I come in and decide, oh, you know, if one of one of which would be a lie. Two things are true, one is a lie. And then I, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm right or I'm wrong, who cares? It's just fun. Oh, you know, I so <laughs> okay. So just say them. Just yeah. Say them. It, yeah, it does any order? Three things. Uh, I used to do sports reporting when I was in my twenties. <laughs> um, I did a ton of climate advocacy in my thirties on an international scale, and I can eat a pint of Haagen Dazs ice cream all in one sitting. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, well. You know, it's it's kind of like all of those things could be true. Absolutely. Okay, so the 20s was sports reporting. The 30s was climate change um, focusing there. And then the haagen you can sit down. I'm taking, okay, so I'm, I'm going to say out loud sort of my thought process. I'm going to take the haagen one aside because I think most people, if they decide they're going to eat it really quick, can. And I have in my 20s eaten a whole pint of coffee ice cream. So I'm going to say you definitely can do that. So now we're down to climate change or sports reporting. Yikes. Okay. So this could be like you reported, but it wasn't sports reported when you were in your thirties. I'm going to go with the climate change one as the lie. And maybe you were a sports reporter in your twenties. I don't know. So they were actually all, almost all true. I did the lie incorrectly when I looked at it. But <laughs> now I put the Hagen Dazs ice cream as a lie, but we know that's a half. That's actually a truth because I could do that and have <laughs> as well. Not lately, although there have, <laughs> have been times during the uh, pandemic where I was really tempted to go there. Um, no, the other two are true. I did do sports reporting oh. in the 20s, and I did do a lot with climate change and climate advocacy on a international scale, it happened really by accident related to fracking and gas drilling that was coming into the Northeast. And, you know, I had a little, my son was young at that time and they were going to tap into a huge water supply that supplies water all the way downstream to New York city, Delaware and Pennsylvania. And once I started learning about children getting ill in another part of Pennsylvania, I went on this huge, like it took me all the way to Norway on an international scale to have conversations with their parliament members and because Norway was heavily invested in projects here in the U.S. So, yeah, that was a whole other lifetime, it feels like. Well, and that's the fiery part of you where you if you decide that something is not right, you hey, I'll go to bed. I'll do the thing. Not a problem. Yeah. And that's, what's amazing about that. My mom always thought I was going to be an attorney or a judge when I was little. <laughs> and now, and when I see those parts of me, I see why, because when I see something at that level, that's an injustice, I really don't see, I don't see the boundaries or the impossibilities in a situation like that, because I always believe that we're all fundamentally human. And so no matter how corporate a company is, if you can bring the story directly to them, which was what happened with Norway and their big sovereign fund, that was, investing in the U.S. in these projects, it shifted the narrative in that country, which then shifted how they started investing in companies like this over time. I mean, it was a 10-year journey, but they started pulling out of these projects, which had vibrations mm. across the globe, because a lot of people don't know their wealth fund is the, it's the wealthiest in the world. 
So they have investments in some of the major companies all over the globe. So when they pull out an investment, you feel the vibrations across. It's like a domino effect across. Mm. So yeah, and a lot of people didn't know that, but I have family there. So I knew a lot about the culture and the setup. So I I used that to my advantage during, during that whole journey in that time. But it just goes to show, like we're talking about the power of an individual voice. Anybody, when you're passionate about something, it's amazing what we can make happen. Right. The impact, the impact. It's so, and it's so important. You can't, when you get that, it's more than a nudge in this case, it's, it's like a calling you, you, you can't like, well, someone else will do it. You know, you, you, it's like, doesn't, I'm in it. I'm in. I definitely answer the call and it is in many ways, it is intuition. Uh, It's, it's a calling that you have. And I'm, that's why whenever you hear me speak on Instagram, I'm really big about people stepping forward because we all have an individual part to play in this big collective story and, and the time that we're spending here on earth. And it, for me, it was just coming into this with what I had access to and, and bringing people that weren't looking at it the same way. I came in sort of like a Bambi. I didn't come in jaded or, oh, it's the corporate world. I came in with this belief that if I could get in front of the people who are doing these investments and bring the stories of the people that were being impacted from the U S and now put a face and a voice to them face to face, that that could shift how they would go about it moving forward, just based on the Norwegian culture and how they have an intimate relationship with mother earth in general, they're very sustainable over there. So the fact that they would be investing and potentially harming uh, families here in the U S and water supplies was a story that they needed to see firsthand because they thought they had done their due diligence. And what they later found out was they had it in many projects, including the Dakota Access Pipeline, which was a big to-do many years ago with the pipeline in North Dakota. So it just goes to show that you just never know, but we all have an individual part to play in the bigger storyline. Right. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for, you know, really stepping up and uh, investing all that time and your passion uh, on behalf of yourself, but then mostly for others. And I think that's, that's something that we have in common being, being mothers is that if it's not good for your child, there's just something about once you're a mother where it, you're even more connected to all of it. I feel like right when I saw that it was impacting other families and little ones and, and how we take, you know, a first world country like the U.S., there were literally people that didn't have access to clean water in rural communities in Pennsylvania and beyond across the U.S. where these projects were happening. And, and it's not till you have something, a fundamental human right stripped away in a first world country that you realize, my God, like we take so much of this stuff for granted. We True. use water so many. I mean, we're made up of, of water. And so it just brings home the perspective of how easy it is to that we take for granted these laws that are on the books and we have certain rights, how easy that can be stripped away if we're not, if we're not careful. Right. It was a real eye opener for me. Right. Well, and I can see why your mother thought you were going to be, might be a lawyer or a judge. <laughs> That's great. I really thought I was going to be a judge. Cause I was always, <laughs> even at a young age, I was always like righteous about like, <laughs> and I think I must get that from, my dad, because my dad is very much that way. And from the time I was little, he was always, edu- as if he was grooming me for something, <laughs> always 
educating me on really believing or really being having due diligence in understanding the full scope of the story, even right. back where there wasn't any social media, and to get on the ground and to see it for yourself. Because the media, it doesn't matter what side of politics you're on, everyone's going to see it from one perspective. The only way to really know it and to see it from the middle ground is to actually walk through the shoes of the person that's experiencing it. Um, and so in this case, before I did any of these journeys to talk to the Norwegian government and all of that, I had to experience it and witness it for myself and visit with these families and see what, what that was like, what was their story, because the news was giving it one way and it became a very polarizing issue, right? It became a, we want jobs for America versus fundamental human rights of, it was impacting and the science was starting to show even at that time, it was impacting the people around them. And, you know, over time, they started shutting down these projects because of it. So all the science was true, but, you know, it was being hidden in those early stages. And when you're in this polarizing kind of discussions, I think to bear witness seems like a simple fundamental, but it's a powerful one when you're going to answer a call like this. But I think this this model can be used for anything. Mm -hmm. And with the issues that we're having today, how do we honor the truth of some of the old narratives in our country? How, how do we honor that, but also stop making it so polarizing so that we can start truly shifting and, and making change as a collective community, you know, as a collective citizenship here in the U.S.? Because our country is beautiful. I mean, and the, the, core, the core essence of who we are as a collective country is a beautiful country. It's just that these polarizing issues sort of blur yes. the beauty of who, who the American spirit actually is, which is this beautiful melting pot always mm-hmm. has of people from all different cultural backgrounds. So how do we, you know, start honoring some of what has happened and then start shifting and changing and not getting lost in the, the, the breaking down of everything. Right. Exactly. Those are really great points, really good points that you bring up. All right. One of your, Oh wait, I want to circle back to sports. What kind of sports did you report on? So I was doing, it was always my dream from the time that I was 12 years old. My dad used to take me to like Monday night football and I used to watch sports with him being the oldest. And then I used to write my own reports and like pretend that I was doing a sports broadcast. So when I was in college, I started interning at TV stations. So they would let me go out and interview players and things like that. And then, you know, the producers would, would use some of that footage. And then when I was in my mid twenties, I started doing national sports radio. So wow. I had to, it was basically like a morning show and it was syndicated across the U.S. through Sporting News, which at that time was the oldest publication for sports in the U.S. Um, before ESPN had their magazine and they had a radio. They had a radio uh, network as well. And so I was doing a morning show for about three years. I was able to travel across the U.S. and talk everything sports. And I was a woman with three other men. So you can imagine Uh, quickly I had to speak to get like a word in. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you've done an incredible variety of things. And just one silly question. If you were to indulge in a pint of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, what flavor would it be? Oh my God. That's a good question. The cookies and cream is really good. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Cookies and cream. All right. One of your favorite movies of all time. I love the sound of music. Oh, I'm partial to the old movies. I don't know if it's because I have an old soul within me, but even Casablanca, same thing. I love it. But ever since I was little, it was The Sound of Music and The Wizard of Oz. I've always wanted to visit Austria and I've never had a chance 
to go, but I don't know what it was about that movie that I felt was so uplifting, but then that time in history as well, for some reason, I'm fascinated from that point of coming out of the depression and then Hitler's occupation and what that did and shifted the world in general. And it's a musical and it's based on a true story. It is. And I think they're, uh, they have something. I think the family still owns something that you can go to over there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably. Name a woman that inspires you. I would say uh, my mom. She was mm. a mother raising three children on her own. She went, I mean, she barely had a high school education, did multiple jobs to, to raise us, to give us an opportunity to be able to go for our dreams. So I saw one woman really with a lot of perseverance to do her best to give us what she could. And then if I looked at a public figure, I would say Maya Angelou, first of all, incredible writer, but I just, there was just something about her presence when we talk about like the divine feminine or that essence of, and the need of that kind of woman in this world that we're in, in this transformative time as well, because I was talking to someone else earlier people feel like we're going back to, we're not going back to anything that we had before. We're moving forward to a different, a different time. We may think it's going back to the same thing, but it actually, in all actuality, um, it isn't, but I just loved her. She's just was this powerful force of nurturing, but equally as strong. Like she, you knew, she knew her boundaries and you didn't want to cross her boundaries either because she didn't have a problem you know, expressing that, but I felt like she has that, had that motherly, just that, that nurturing and that wisdom that a divine, like a divine feminine archetype has. So yeah, I was sad when she, she passed on, but she left us so much. She sure did. And what a story she has. And the fact that your mom was um, not, you know, obviously she's your mom, but then also, the strength that she showed you, you know, all that she did to get you kids raised by herself is extraordinary. And I'm sure she didn't think twice about it. Like, no, this I she never like she knew she had. So it was three of us. My brother's the youngest. She knew she had two daughters. She never brought a man through the thresholds of her home. That was her own personal decision because she always put us first. And so Mm -hmm. she did a lot of this raising without an extra, we didn't have a stepfather until she didn't really get serious with someone until we were much older. Mm -hmm. And even then we were out of the house by the time he came. (laughs) (laughs) So she had a lot of that just old school, that old school wisdom. But, you know, me being the oldest, I also started working at a very young age to try to take some of that pressure off of her to be able to provide you know, to help her with groceries and also to provide for myself clothing, et cetera. So I became fiercely independent at a very young, I mean, I started working when I was 13. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Time to take the deep dive. I can't wait. I know you're going to have a lot of great things to say and I'm going to learn a lot. And so are the listeners. Okay. So this is your passion. This is typically what you're promoting on social media and as I look at your your profile and your feed and all that, great, encouraging, inspiring things. I don't really know what the seven days of wonderment are. Is that an, I mean, just tell us, tell us about you in this way. So the seven days of wonderment was just 
a, a thing that I released. It was really more because we were on sort of that cusp of expanded. So the, we weren't reopening yet. This was back in like March. And I felt like it would be beautiful to get people to reconnect with their surroundings on a day-to-day basis because it's easy to numb out when you feel like Groundhog's Day, when is this actually going to be over? Because it was right before a lot of places were reopening. So it was more of a mental health initiative to get people aware that it's okay to not feel okay, to, to get us to start speaking about it, but that then to also reconnect with our senses, which can also to start empowering people to take control of their mental health and reconnect with these small daily things that they could do. And so I have like guests from all over the world um, I had a woman in Scotland who does a lot with mental health, but she was actually Airbnb's top virtual experience during the height of the pandemic. And one of her sheep actually was featured on Times Square when Airbnb, <laughs> when Airbnb went, went public. She's now reopening because she has this beautiful cottage and you can have tea with the sheep and she's got this great, incredible thing. But she did a meditation with the sheep and it's just, it was the most healing thing. I experienced it during the height of the pandemic in New York City. I, I automatically went into Airbnb and started doing a lot of their virtual experiences. So she was just talking about, you know, her work and what she's done to help people during this time. So I picked all these different speakers from all over the world, the world to inspire people to cook, to kind of make ceremony around our day to day because they mundane but at the end of the day those mundane things equate to a bigger canvas when we look back at our lives right these are the small sacred moments that that we'll look back to and and what better way than instead of just getting lost in in the in the mundane to make it a little more exciting so that's what we were trying to encourage people to do to get outside do the walks you know witness a sunrise or a sunset create a theme, a theme meal to dream about Italy. I had my friend from Lake Como who runs a beautiful bed and breakfast in George Clooney's town. And we were just talking about all the delicacies from the lake. And we were just inspiring people to just reconnect with heart again. So every one of the seven had a different theme and you posted about each of the seven, correct? Right. So we had a whole, like uh, anyone who signed up, they had access to a private area where they were every day. There was, a challenge along with the guest host for that particular sense. So we covered everything. I had a, uh, a vineyard owner from Portugal and we were just talking about how to be sommelier. You're using two of the senses, actually. It's your, it's the sense of smell and the sense of taste and his mm-hmm. is biodynamics. So we were just talking about slow travel and, and inspiring people. If they didn't drink wine, just inspiring people, how powerful the sense of smell is and how, how we don't really think about it a lot, but how smell actually invokes a lot of our childhood memories, whether it's the smell of food or grandma's cooking or, la- you know, fresh laundered clothes, how all of that sparks memories. So this is more just a side. I just had a calling to do it and I did it. It wasn't really related to anything more than I felt called to inspire some people to just reconnect with themselves through this process. All right. What's your, what's your main focus? I mean, that, that, that was beautiful. Everything you just said. And I just, I went back through and I looked at the one on movement and then I did happen to cross the the one in Portugal. What a great comprehensive um, way to help people during the pandemic feel better about sort of being stuck 
you know, so much of it was, I think, mindset, attitude. I mean, you can find joy in very simple things if you kind of shift and and choose to do so. And there was a mourning and grieving process. Yes. That we don't. And that's what makes it harder when you're bypassing the the grief portion of it and the nostalgia of losing life as we had known it before. It's what happens is you have this compounded, it starts to compound within the body. So my whole thing was how can we have dialogue, have fun and play and connect with our inner child and make it okay for people to have a conversation about it, that it's okay not to be okay in a society that normally wants us to bypass it right? And dust ourselves off very quickly and keep moving when in all actuality, it's healthier to feel it all so that you can fast track into being okay about this new version of life that we have, right? So that was the whole basis behind that. I mean, my, my passion, especially now is to encourage people to step into their voices. A lot of my Instagram journey started as love letters to myself. Like if you go way back years ago, when I first started this, it was more for me because I was in hiding for so long and I was really not myself to the point that I felt, I felt almost numb, like I had lost who I was. Um, and so as I started going through the journey of going through a divorce, et cetera, I started connecting with writing again. And since I didn't know, I didn't have a lot of family members following me on Instagram, it was the perfect space for me to write what my niece likes to call essay level posts <laughs> instead of like the one sentence post. And just be free about my my journey of travel and and the journey back to myself. What does that look like hiding from yourself or hiding hiding? It's just you're not you're not it's almost like a mask because you're shaking in your shoes to even step forward to have an opinion. And for so long, and I talk about this in the book, uh, the chapter that I wrote for this collective uh, co-authoring book that's being released soon. It was all about, I could, I did just enough to be, to be successful. So I could be in hiding, yet still be at a high level, even in my corporate day job, which was sales, I could do be in the top percentage, but still find a cozy spot in the back of the room and Mm. not really fully own the power and the totality of who I was. That's not to say when I did the whole Norway thing, I was completely in my power, but that would come up in short in short stints. And I never knew what that was fueled by until the pandemic hit. And I was talking to my mentor and she had me reevaluate why I had started a startup that I now had, I'm now rebirthing, but COVID kind of stopped it in its tracks. And it was a good thing for me because I had lost my heart centered why to why I was doing that. And I didn't realize that a lot of my fuel comes from my mom, just seeing her struggles seeing how, because she was on the lower socioeconomic um, part of, of society, how she was treated sometimes because she was on public assistance for things and the shame she carried as that being that person. And when you're a child and you see your, someone that you love's body language shrinks in, shrink in from shame and you can't do something because you're a child, there's something about that that you carry into your adulthood. And I didn't really fully connect with that until the beginning of the pandemic And what was clear for me is just how powerful we are as human beings and and that we all have our own mission. Not one mission is the same. Not one person is more important than the other. It's just whether or not the person's answering that call. And that call is not always writing a best-selling book or a famous podcast. It's just showing up and having the conversations you and I are having today. We never know who's going to listen to it 
who has been sort of on the fence and can make a change in their own individual community. And that's where if we can accept the fact that we're all connected in this grid of heart resonance and science has proven that when we talk about making change, it can happen. And that's not a fairy tale. It can happen if only 10% of the population decides I want to shift what I'm seeing and they get on to stepping into their power and their voice to do so. It really is only 10% of the whole global population. It's, we don't need critical mass to make that change. Wow. So that is your passion now, correct? And so I, I want to pause that conversation because I realized I forgot to ask a piece of wisdom you keep handy and the get to know you. And I saw on Instagram that you posted a cute little something. So I want all our listeners to have the benefit of the piece of wisdom you keep handy. And then we'll pop back to uh, circle back. This one is important because I think we live in such a noisy and cluttered world and even our mind, right? Our mind is always, we're, we're continuously overthinking, analyzing. There might be some underlying anxiety there based on, you know, neuroscience, et cetera, or just based on our own experiences growing up. And what I've always found is that we're always just one breath away, one heartbeat, one heartbeat away from our authentic truth. Like if we can get quiet enough, we can always find what the truth is, even in the most chaotic of circumstances. And it goes back to what a lot of these quotes talk about is in the stillness is where all the lamp, the answers will, you'll find them. And obviously they're, they're all within us, but you have to be quiet enough to hear what that message is. Beautiful. Yeah. And the power of breath was something that was really highlighted to me during, during this time. Thank you for sharing that. It is a beautiful piece of wisdom that I think is going to touch a lot of people. So thank you for that. Okay. So now we circle from that wonderful piece of wisdom back to how are you doing this now? How are you taking this passion, you've been a sports reporter, you've worked in the corporate world, you've sounds like just about single-handedly changed Norway's mind about investing in this thing that was not helping, it was hurting people and not allowing them to have access to clean, good water, something most of us take for granted. So now you're speaking life into, is it women and men? It's like anybody who wants to participate. It's like women and men. I mean, mostly, obviously my target market is women, but it's really, it's actually in all actuality, it's both. So one of the things I'm doing, I'm co-collaborating, co-authoring a book. It's called We Are the Sacred Feminine Rising. That's going to be released July 30th, I believe. The ebook is, and then the printed book will be out in August. And that's all different women's stories. They took a mm. snapshot of time. And I took the snapshot for me. I took, I was, I think the only one that took the snapshot of the last 15 months, because I felt like that was the most transformative time for me. And that, and the wisdom of my journey could be for, for anyone. It could be for a man or a woman. Um, and then I'm going to be creating a business academy for small businesses, business owners or entrepreneurs. So that's launching in the next uh, 30 days. And that is all about getting them to build solid foundations around their business, because the more we can empower a small business, the better communities can can be. Um, One thing I saw in New York City 
in, I live in Astoria, Queens. It's one of the last of the holdouts, I would call it. It's like going back in time <laughs> in this neighborhood. It feels like the 1950s and 40s. People say hello. Flowers are blooming. Butterflies are flying through. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like I'm that close to Manhattan. Most of the storefronts survived. Most of the storefronts are mom and pop owned in this area. They're mom and pop shops. Like the the hardware store is is a neighbor. You know, the supermarkets might be a little bit bigger, but they're not the bigger uh, chains either. So I think only one restaurant that I know of on the main drive went under. Most of them all survived. And it's a testament to when you can get a community supporting community, you know, small business owners that are the lifeline of our country. It's it's a beautiful way for a community to continue to thrive. That wasn't the case in Manhattan. Unfortunately, the smaller businesses did not, not survive. So part of what my passion with life purpose now is how do I get more small businesses to really look at their fundamentals and to also uh, delve in a little bit more into heart-centered leadership, their heart-centered wives, so that the, when they're showing up to their business, they're, they're more whole. And so all of these pieces come together with how they market market who they give some of their local contracts to, you know, a lot of the times it's easy to go to the bigger vendors, but if we could look at it more in a circular sense, that makes a difference for a community. So kind of looking at it a little more uh, holistically. So mm-hmm. those are that's one of the main things I'm doing. And then a second passion thing is how can I support startups or nonprofits that are making a difference in fundamental issues in the U S. So for instance, there's, a woman who runs the alignment chapter. It's it's she's a black owned nonprofit. She helps single mothers with boxes of essentials across the US. She's one woman. She just got a warehouse. The warehouse before was her basement. When that storm came through Texas, she helped, I think, 1500 mothers. She boxed those boxes herself. She also gives them financial literacy as well. So to be part of her part of her community, the moms have to do financial literacy, but she gives them two boxes of essentials. And what people don't understand is that the U.S. is the biggest single parent family home for Western culture, uh, Western uh, country. We have the highest number of single parent homes. Most of them are women and most of them are living below the poverty line. Mm. So when I look at how can we change things on just the fundamental like foundation scale, and not looking too far far up, just how do we change it from community fundamentals? The work that she's doing is absolutely incredible. One woman helping thousands of mothers. And some of those mothers went from like a 500 credit score to 700, which you know for our country makes all the difference in the world because now she can, you know, it's easier for her to rent a place or even buy a place as a first time homeowner. When you have lower credit, it's harder for you to get approved. And if you are, you're paying twice as much in interest. So I love the work that she's doing. And she's also, there's dignity to it as well, because a lot of single mothers have to choose pampers for their child or soap over paying their electric bill. It really is that people don't understand that is the fine line. And that's the reality for a lot of single moms here in the US. So I've been doing more passion projects related to to like her, what she's doing. And then I'm sitting on the advisory board for uh, a Neo. It's called a Neo bank. It's a digital bank that's for the black and brown community. And they're basically helping underserved and underbanked communities, which is also, they tend to go to predatory lenders or check cashing stores. They're, they're eliminating that. They're trying to get 
um, that population away from that and actually being able to, to bank and start building wealth as well. So, yeah. So you have a heart for taking the experiences that you've had in corporate America and the, the fights that you have fought for the underdog, the underserved, taking all of that and rolling it out into a way that could be helpful for small businesses, for um, those who are wanting to get a leg up and really teach them and mentor them. I'm, I'm assuming that some of this includes mentorship as well. So you're, you, you're going to roll out a business academy. You are, um, you've got a, a book that you co-authored. Does that, does that, is that more for individuals per se, or is it more for small businesses, the book? No, the oh, book is for individuals. It's oh yeah, because it's different people's stories, right? Different people's stories. And even my story was all humbling about how, you know, this was a, a time for reset for me, because, you know, at that point, my startup has had failed, even though it had gone into market. And I still had, you know, there was a whole bunch of different storylines that came to play that brought me to this other side where I was kind of like, how do I want to live the rest of my, my days on this earth? How do I want to show up? How do I want to serve? And part of it meant coming out of hiding a bit more, starting to do more Instagram lives, potentially doing a podcast at the end of this year and really going back to what I've always loved, which I've always had this connection, this connection with, that's why I love traveling because I love meeting new people and hearing their stories and, and how that all came to be just that human to human connection. But the book is for the book is for everybody and everything I do, whether it's for a small business or for a startup, my whole message is I'm no special than anybody else. Neither is a person that has, you know, millions of downloads on their podcast, we're just answering that individual call. And it looks different for everybody. But we all, we all have that role to play. So I'm inspiring as many people as possible, as individuals to go for it. That is a fantastic message. And um, you certainly do on your posts, you're very, you're very engaging. And it, it feels like when you comment or whatever, it, it just feels very genuine. And I, I appreciate that very much about you, you know, because like I said before, you do have a lot of followers. And I, I mean, at some point, it seems like it, it gets hard to navigate. I, I mean, some of you with like the thousands and thousands of followers, I, I don't even know how you, how you keep up. I really don't. Yeah, for a long time, I think I've had a love because to post, I, I only like to post when I'm feeling for it. And unfortunately, as time has gone on, and once Facebook actually bought Instagram, it became harder to get in front of an audience due to the, the algorithm. And uh-huh. from, from that marketing world, there's like that little rebellious girl that's like, I don't want to be at mercy for any algorithm. And I only want to post when I, I feel like I'm being called to post something and I don't want to have to post it in a cadence that doesn't feel authentic to who I am, because that's another thing Then we're told, Oh, unless it looks like this, no one's going to pay attention to it. And I'm kind of like the essays are who I am. So I have to own, I'm a Gen X woman and this is how I communicate and it will, it will resonate with whoever needs to hear it. 
I could not applaud you more for what you just said. I mean, I've loved every, I've loved everything you have said, but that, yeah, I've got that rebelliousness too. Like algorithm, what the heck? I mean, forget it. You know, just let me be me because that's the whole message of this show is be who you are without apology. Exactly. And to think that now we have to, you know, almost play a game. It just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel very authentic. It doesn't, but it also, it, it, I think it, it makes people feel uninspired. And that's why I also talk to, and it's easier said than done, right? Because of course we want people interacting with our, with our content. But I always say, you never know for every like that you have, there's people, I call them phantom likes that don't like it, but they find security in knowing that they follow your journey and it, it brings them comfort and maybe they might like it here and there. It's just less about numbers. It's that one person that you're going to reach because that one person knows five or 10 other people that they're going to impact because of whatever wisdom they took from you. And that's just this whole domino effect that happens. That's why we have to focus less on the numbers and just understand that if we're being called to say something, if we're being called to share our story, our journey, there is a reason for that because for the person that's feeling isolated or down or starting over again, which can be daunting, especially when you're talking about what society would call older, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, there's a lot of stories that you can fall into to say, you know, I should be more accomplished by this point. Why am I starting all over again? And you can stay in that for a long time. So the more we can talk about our individual journeys, I think the more we can just collectively empower each other. I, again, one more thing to applaud. What you've said is so encouraging because there is, you know, I don't know if it's human nature to compare. I really, I mean, I think it's very hard not to. And yet what you said is so true. We have no idea how we might be impacting or inspiring somebody. And that is so unseen And that really needs to be enough. You know what I mean? I mean, forget the numbers, forget the algorithm, do the thing, you know, get it out there as best you can. And you, you know, you might get a little sweet message from somebody somewhere along the way that just really lets you know, oh, yeah, yes, yes, (laughs) this is. This is so good. This is so good to be able to have these conversations and um, do the thing that you just are so driven to do. And I, I, I can hear in your voice and see that you have a lot uh, you want to get out there and a lot of impact that you want to make. And that is just, it's exciting. It's so exciting to think that you're going to take all that and run with it. And, and the thing is that I can do it. I've always been this painfully shy uh, little girl since I was little, even though I used to talk a lot, according to my mom, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. I was painfully shy and I had these complexes and, and all of that. If I can do this, anybody, honestly, anybody can. And that's what I want to encourage people to do is just, as cliche as it may sound, just step into all of your own, all of it, really, you know, all of it and just show up to be of service. 
I think I had posted before. I don't know if you've read this book by Charles Eisenstein. It, it was a book that he wrote a few years back. It's called The Beautiful World Our Heart Knows is Possible. A lot of it is just, um, he talks about this illusion of being separate when we're all actually interconnected and the importance that the environment plays in that. But he had a beautiful quote. I don't remember it word for word, but it's talking to, it speaks to what we're talking about now. A lot of the people who are of service that keep our, like, that are weaved in and are, is, are the foundation of our day-to-day lives are like the unsung heroes. Those are teachers. It could be the bus driver. It could be, they're of, of service every single day just for showing up. They're not doing a podcast. They're not, and I'm not saying anything about the, against any of the other. I'm just trying to bring things to perspective for people that how we show up as a human being every single day can resonate and have a domino effect in ways that we can never imagine. Absolutely. And that, that is the driving thing I think is, is doing the thing and knowing that hoping that it's hitting somebody somewhere. My brother-in-law said a famous jazz person who I don't know said to him, there's an audience for everything. So, you know, you know, keep speaking into what it is that you want to say and the impact you want to have and are having. Yeah. Thank you so much for this time, Tanyet. I just feel so honored to have met you and uh, connected. You were so um, gracious and generous to say yes so quickly to being on the show. I'm I'm very grateful. I'm excited for all of your projects coming up and will be following them closely. Thank you. Checking out the book and all that. You're do, you're doing some good some good things in the world and and it is very difficult to imagine you were ever shy <laughs> I can't see it but I believe you I totally I, believe you <laughs> I definitely was I just was always pushing myself but I've gotten better now I when even when I was doing sports radio I was shaking in my shoes I just <sighs> kept pushing myself to do it I'm more I'm more at peace now but I also feel like you know as they say with with time and age comes all the wisdom and the peace isn't it better though to take the risk and to do the thing? You feel so much better in the long run, even if it didn't go the way you thought, and even if it ends up being a misstep or whatever. There's there's something in the waiting, there's something in the redo that that's a value. And we may not get it in the moment that there it is so valuable to reset or to redo or whatever, but it it is just is I would say it's even more important than if the thing had just flown on its own and soared high. There's more growth. I agree. And there are all those experiences. You don't realize that they intertwine into something else later. You just never know how the sports reporting and public speaking can shift into something else as you're going on your going on your journey. So never underestimate any of the experiences to your point. They all interconnect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you have a lot of great things to say, and I'm so glad that you pushed out of the comfort zone of being a shy girl and just kept stepping forward. And, you know, we could quote so many Maya Angelou things right here and now, and I'll I'll try to find a good one to go with your episode because she just, what a wise, wise woman. Love her. Love yeah, her. I love her too. Love her too. 
And I mean, all the gifts she left us, right? All yes. the lessons that will live on for generations. She really was something else for sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for taking this time. I'm very grateful. It was so special Likewise. to spend this time with you. And I will look forward to all of the great things you're going to be doing. Thank you. All right, Tanya, have a great day. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Tanyette is a wealth of knowledge, pulling from her own experiences to speak into the lives of others. When an opportunity comes, she relishes it. And if she gets a nudge, she pays attention to it. We would be wise to do the same. Could take us to Norway or who knows where else. As she said, if she can do it, anybody can. Show up to be a service. It only takes 10% of us to create sustaining change. The Unabashed You website has photos, quotes, and a blog for each episode. Each episode's audio is embedded on its own page at unabashedyou.com. You can find these episodes on other podcast platforms where we invite you to follow, rate, review, and share. Our social media accounts, Instagram, Unabashed You, Facebook account is Rochelle Renee, the page is Unabashed You, and Twitter is at Rochelle Renee, and that's R-E-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-N-A-E. We rely on website visits, social media, and word of mouth to share these episodes. We are grateful for growth, knowing these conversations help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. So continue to listen, read, and be inspired. Our blessing for this week, level up, love yourself, be your own boss, run your own race, find your voice, meditate graduate, take control, be vulnerable, love fearlessly, phones down, eyes up, make your mark, drop dead weight, surround yourself with greatness, take the leap of faith, plant the seeds, get the love you deserve. Amen. Those lyrics are by Ciara. So now go find your voice. Be unabashed. Be you.